Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin, Texas, Sports, The Horn. Monday of uh, Texas OU Week, that is right. It is here, and um, for the first time in a long time, it uh, will be a battle of unbeatens, and will mean a lot, a lot, as far as the Big 12 and the bigger picture even, with the Longhorns win over Kansas Saturday, Oklahoma handled business with Iowa State, and uh, here we go. Uh, So we have a lot to do this week, we'll get you there, we'll be up in Dallas on Friday afternoon, we'll tell you more about that coming up. Uh, we've got to do the deep dive. Can't wait to hear Rod's deep dive analysis on this Oklahoma team who has certainly improved from what they were a year ago because they were pretty bad last year um, after Texas put a – because they were decent early and then mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel got hurt. Yeah, the injury killed him. And then they just fell apart and their defense was exposed because their offense couldn't move the ball. And they ended up uh, – what? I mean, they were 3-0 and to start the year. Then they went 3-9 and down the – Yep. Or no, three and six the rest of the way, including the forty-nine to nothing beatdown. So they will be motivated. They're improved for Brett Venables in the second meeting between he and Steve Sarkeesian. So we have all week to preview it today. We'll continue to look back at the uh, dominant win over Kansas. And and you were talking about in your behind the burn orange curtain rod, and we'll get a Rod's rant coming up. While you were talking about uh, you know the explosive play problem Texas has, if the Texas defense has any problem, it's explosive plays, right? Yes. Uh, I went through and added this up, you know, and I know you can't take plays away from an individual game, but I think it speaks to just how dominant the Texas defense has been for a majority of football games, right? A mm-hmm. high majority of the 60 minutes of the game, this Texas defense has been really, really great. Yep. Um, so if you go to the Rice game, week one, and remove the 63-yard, 12-minute drive that Rice had in the fourth quarter, okay? So, because remember in the fourth quarter, they hadn't moved the ball all day and they went on this long drive mm-hmm. and it prevented us from seeing Arch Manning. The Rice Owls that day gained 114 yards, minus that 16 yard or that uh, 63 yard drive yeah. leg. And then against Alabama, they gave up three explosive plays. Jalen Milrow hit Jermaine Burton over the top. They had three explosive plays in the rest of the plays on the field that night. Texas gave up 240 total yards. Uh, against Wyoming, the 162 yard run on the first drive. Texas only gave up 229 yards the rest of the game. And then what we saw against Kansas, one of the better offenses in the Big 12, and yes, they were playing with their backup quarterback. Uh, the two explosive plays, if you take those away, they gained 144 yards the rest of the game. Yeah. So minus those explosive plays and one long drive against Rice, I mean, they're, they're giving up like 150, 170 yards a game. But that, you know, you played in that game, Rod. The explosive plays in that game can get you beat. Yes, they can. So to me, that's got to be the point of emphasis for Texas this week. Um, you can't give up the explosives uh, in this game because it feels like, or how do you avoid giving up the explosive? They're going to try to create them. You talked about Kansas targeting mm-hmm. Texas in, in certain spots. You understand it's a football game and it's going to happen. I just think it, it's, it shows just how good this defense has been most of the game, a huge majority of these football games. You had a couple plays here and there, and you know, the defensive numbers are down a little bit. I just think I've really been really impressed with how good they've been on that side of the ball. Yeah, and to piggyback on uh, what you just said there, and shout out to uh, my man Nash at Nash Talks Texas. as a great, great, great stat out there. Uh, he said crazy run defense. that over 40% of rushing yards against Texas come in the first three drives. <laughs> yeah. He said opponents rush first three drives of each game. Uh, they're averaging four and a half yards per rush 
in the first three drives of the game, and then after that, opponents are averaging two and a half yards per rush. So shout out to my man Nash. That's a nice little stat. But it goes to what you've been talking about, E. That the and what I've said too. The adjustments are pretty obvious. That a team is able uh, early on, the opponent is able to through game planning or through troubleshooting, whatever means, find some specific vulnerability to exploit on the Texas defense because they're not perfect. Right? No. no defense is, right? You can't, you don't have 11, you know, all Americans across the board and you're not going to be perfect. The perfect coverage is not going to be called uh, combined with the perfect front and pressure package every time. It just doesn't happen that way. Okay. So when they do find some, uh, something to exploit, Texas is able to fix it pretty quickly. Right? You don't see it be something that persists the entire game. It doesn't become systemic. It's not a Shakespearean flaw necessarily. Yes, it is something Texas has to fix. But to me, the fact that we've seen Texas give up these plays early on, like the option versus Kansas, and then Texas decide to make the adjustment, the, the adjustment simply was they put more guys in the box. Go look at their two high safety looks in the first half compared to the rate of two high safety looks in the second half. They have a lot more single high safety presentations in the second half compared to the first half because they were bringing that other safety down into the box. So that was the adjustment. Simple adjustment, but... It worked. Uh, remember when in the Wyoming game they got that big run? The big run was essentially because a freshman, a really talented freshman, who's going to be one of the best players in the country, won, he overplayed a gap. He overran a gap. Simple. Coach decided, you know what? We got a veteran bender out there who can stabilize the defense. We'll sit the young freshman down, let him take some mental reps and think about it, and then we'll stabilize his defense really quickly. That's what they did. That was the adjustment. It was a personnel adjustment, not a schematic one, but it worked. Uh, Alabama, they did some very similar things. I think it was personnel and schematic adjustments, but Bama started off running the football against Texas pretty consistently, and they shut that down. So I'm with you, E. I think the most impressive thing about this defense is the football IQ is really high, and you can see the coaches, and I always say coaches are problem solvers, solving the problem in real time. Yeah. And against Oklahoma, yes, they will find something else to exploit. The hope is that these, these coaches and the players solve the problem and make the adjustment in real time. Yeah, uh, and even with what I just said and what you just went through, to to go to this game, Texas is still leads the Big Twelve right now in total yards allowed per game at under three hundred, two hundred ninety point eight. Even with the explosives, so they're still number one in this conference. To Oklahoma's number two at three nineteen. But uh, these are the two best defenses in the conference. You would argue they're the two best offenses in the conference. I would argue that. The, the, the and Kansas probably the thing two best is quarterbacks yeah. in the conference if yeah. Jalen Daniels isn't playing. Agreed. So the matchup couldn't be more compelling. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, how do you fix it? And I think, you know, you can, again, you can't eliminate plays. But the Rice the rice drive that they had, you know, that, that was against a bunch of third- and fourth-team guys that, that were on a hot day where they were just trying to get guys on the field. The, the first-team defense was outstanding. The Wyoming game was, as you said, was one play. The guy shot a gap, and Anthony Hill took a bad angle, and then I thought Jaron Thompson took a bad angle on that run. Oh, yeah, yeah. House call. But th- th- that kind of run is – that's an outlier for this Texas defense. Exactly. You just gave – they don't give up many of those. Now, they did give up the one here on the triple option to the left side. They found something with that one. They found a little bit <laughs> with that, but they, th- then they fixed it. They found a little something. And then they fixed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, I mean, and that's what this game is about. It's about the ebbs and the flows and the – you know, the, the, the obviously the week of, uh, you know, game plans. You mentioned Brett Venable's – with the schedule that they had this year, probably treated this a lot like Texas treated Alabama. And no doubt. Right? Especially after the embarrassment from last season. You yeah. were, you were shut out. And your defense was, mm, they were you know, lackluster to say the least. 
So I think he has been focused on this game the entire offseason. But I think Sark is ready for it, too. I think Sark, Sark usually gets in his creative bag in Texas, Oklahoma. Every Texas OU game, we've seen Sark at his most creative. Um, and I think you'll see that again. Also something to point out, too, um, and, and obviously we'll talk more about Texas, Oklahoma, and breaking it down. But the uh, one of the big concerning things for me uh, with the defense going into this in this matchup is, you know, I, I do wonder if that that secondary because they haven't been tested with a good quarterback just yet, and that's the and Dylan Gabriel is accurate. Like that's the thing about his accuracy is. If he misses, it's he throws. Level. If he misses, it's high. Yes, he, and he'll do that every now and again with his footwork. But he yes. is a pretty accurate player. You're right. Um, so that that's the concern that we had. The Texas defense is, even though it's the elite defense, not elite. It's it's great defense on its way to being elite potentially. We'll see. They haven't faced a quarterback, a good quarterback yet, and that's my only concern is that they haven't faced a good quarterback. But by the way, Dylan Gabriel has not faced a defense that's good either. So that would be maybe a little source of my anxiety, but the more research I do, I guarantee I'll be feeling confident about that matchup by the time we get to Friday. So. Uh, Oklahoma so far this year has played Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati, and Iowa State. So not a murderer's row, but yeah, there, there's a lot to uh, be determined in this game. 50 yeah. on Iowa State was impressive, though. Can You're right. Admit, John Haycock's defense, I know they lost a lot. But John Haycock's a hell of a defensive coordinator. Well, and Dylan Gabriel threw for 366 and three three Come touchdowns <laughs> in that game. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I can't wait for the matchup. Uh, another thing uh, that I'm worried about, I guess, I don't know if I'm worried about it, just uh, I'm concerned, a little concerned, would be the red zone sure. touchdown percentage. I think Texas is 108th, actually, now. If you look at touchdown rate in the red zone, they're 108th. That's been something that's been an issue for them all season long. They're so explosive. That they score from outside the red zone, so it doesn't come back to harm as much because they're just so damn explosive that you know they Jonathan Brooks is running for 40, 40 and sixty yard touchdowns and Ad Mitchell and Xavier Worthy scoring. But when you can force Texas to beat you the hard way and have to earn it in the red zone, that's your best bet. And something tells me Brent Venables will take that bend but don't break approach. Don't disagree. Don't yeah. disagree. And um, obviously we got all week to break that down and uh, get the latest, but. Um you know, we'll get our Oklahoma insiders on the on the on the task. What have they seen? Obviously, they've got to be encouraged north of the Red River of a, of a five and zero start, but they know that their season starts this week. I mean, they understand that. Um, they when they when they canceled that non con game with Georgia, I think we we kind of looked at the schedules and realized both Georgia and Oklahoma we won't know much about them until their October and and November schedules come and go because uh, you know after this Texas game they're going to play UCF, Kansas, Oak State, West Virginia. <laughs> Uh, you know, Oklahoma, we'll, we'll know a lot more about them at the end of October than we do at the end of September where they won five football games. And really, the only game that was a challenge for them, the SMU game, I will, I will note, was a close game until the fourth quarter when Oklahoma scored two touchdowns and spread, stretched it out. But going into the fourth quarter, Oklahoma had only scored 14 points on SMU. Uh, but, you know, they spurted and they did what they need to do. Longhorns have done that quite a bit this year mm-hmm. uh, against some kind of, I yep. think SMU is a decent, decent team. So, and I watched a lot of the Cincinnati game that they had and, you know, that was just a kind of a bare knuckle brawl. And Cincinnati was their first ever Big 12 game and the crowd was hyped up and big uh, Fox guys were all there for that game. Urban Meyer and the Leinert and all those, that, that crew. And, you know, it was a pretty good football game. But Texas, but, you know, what Oklahoma did well in that game was play good red zone defense. And so you got a Texas red zone offense that is trying to figure it out. You got an Oklahoma red zone defense that's better. So man, this this game it's only Monday and we're already, already throwing stuff. Man. I can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, can't it's, wait. It's hey, going to be a great matchup. Uh, other things, Rod, real quick before we get to your rant because I want your rant of the uh, nine o'clock hour. 
What else stood out to you from the NFL yesterday? I mentioned Buffalo with a 48-point. Buffalo was my pick to get to the Super Bowl, and obviously didn't look very smart at the end of the first game when they lost to the Jets. But since that point, they've, looked they've, good. they've had a mad on. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like Josh Allen was like, man, we're not doing that again. And they've been they've been impressive. That was, And I watched that game. They um, Miami came out and scored two quick touchdowns. I mean, it looked like they were going to keep going like they did last week. And they had Devin A-Chan. A-Chan. Devin A-Chan. Had two quick touchdowns, and then you thought, okay, this was going to be another shootout. And then the the Bills' defense stiffened. Bills' defense did a great job getting pressure on Tua, yep. taking away the first option. Uh, they were pretty awesome. They held the, the uh, Dolphins' offense under 400 yards of total offense. Pretty darn impressive. That is really the, impressive. Uh, and, yeah. the, and one other thing of note, for you're, you're a football coach and a football theorist, Sean McDermott, their head coach, is back to calling the defensive plays. Good for him. Leslie Frazier, I think, is retired. And... Sean McDermott, who cut his teeth as, a, as one of the best DCs in the league, is back calling the plays. And I'll give you one other note on the Bills, Rod. Vaughn Miller is supposed to come back to practice this week. Ooh. And they're hoping to have Vaughn Miller who had that knee injury mm-hmm. middle of the year last year. They may get Vaughn Miller back on this defense at some point, you know, November into the Thanksgiving area. That would give them another element that, man, scary for the AFC. Yeah, and that they do can tell the Dolphins are missing Jalen Ramsey. I mean, that's who they would expect to be. Guarding Stefan Diggs all the time. Stefan Diggs just went off. Yeah, they just they they Speaking could of not big defend him. Stepping up, six oh, catches, one hundred and twenty and three. They had no answer for him. They did none of their guys could cover him and keep up with him. And that to me, that's why they got Jalen Ramsey. And I'm saying I'm not saying Jalen Ramsey would shut him down. He'd still make some plays, but they'd have a better shot um, at coming up with different schemes and coverages to neutralize that guy. So I think Miami will be a little bit better. But the, yeah, de- definitely Miami was shocked uh, with Buffalo came out. And put forty eight on them. Forty eight. Forty eight. That's, that's a lot of points for I guess a Vic Fangio coach D. Mm-hmm. Man, got and Vic Josh Fangio Allen got to give Josh Allen a lot of credit because he took all the heat after Week One. He was awesome. I mean, he was twenty one of twenty five, three forty four touchdowns, ran for another. And Romo and Nance were on the call yesterday, and Romo, he just can't gush enough about Josh Allen's arm strength. I mean, he makes some throws into these zones. That are they're most quarterbacks wouldn't even think about throwing them. Downright and, silly. And he throws them like he he threw a touchdown to Gabe Davis in the first quarter, and it's like that's just a that's just a too high too mm-hmm. high look, Rod. And he's able to rifle it in there, uh, top of the corner before the safety can get over. And it's just that guy's arm strength is different. And if he's not turning the ball over, Buffalo's going to be hard to beat because again they should be. I mean they're three and one, but they should be four and zero. They Josh Allen gave that game away against the Jets on Monday Night Football to start the season. Yes, he did. But I will um, say that Buffalo. Buffalo's always, you know, a world beater around this time. Sure, yeah. I need, oh, them, I need them to They're kind of like the Cowboys right now. Yeah, I need to be a world beater in January. Well, think, I mean, I'm a world I mean, beater now. Talking about the storylines aligning, the, the Dak Prescott-Josh Allen thing, right? Both, well, no matter what they do between now and January, it's what they do in January that's going to matter. Um, now, Josh Allen did have the game where he really outplayed Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead Stadium in his defense, mm-hmm. couldn't stop Mahomes for 17 seconds from – Ripping their hearts out in that game. All right, let's get Rod's rant. We're talking Texas football, the Big 12, college football. Let's get it. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, I want to talk some Cowboys. Don't, Don't feel like we've talked enough about the Cowboys. It's really... I mean, what's to talk about? Just another dominating performance by the Cowboys. Uh, aside from the outlier against Arizona, the Cowboys' defense looks like it's still maybe one of the best in the league, if not 
in the conversation to be the best in the league. What was surprising in that game versus the uh, the Patriots was the performance of Deron Bland. Yes. Uh, Deron Bland, I don't think people have been keeping up with how opportunistic he is and how much of a ball hawk he is. How about this? So if you look at the most interceptions in the NFL since the start of the 2022 season, Deron Bland leads the NFL in interceptions since the start of the 2022 season with eight of them. You got eight more than anybody else. As a matter of fact, you go look at just in the last 10 games, he's got seven interceptions. In the last 10 games, Deron Bland's got seven picks. That is crazy. I mean, it's unbelievable how productive he is. And you combine that with Trevon Diggs. And by the way, Trevon Diggs, who's not with the team right now because he's dealing with the injury, so he won't be there this year. But if you, there was a stat that I saw about uh, the first 21 games, uh, basically turnovers, interceptions by players in the first 21 games. The only player to have more interceptions in the first 21 games, 21 starts, I should say, other than Durant Bland was Trevon Diggs. <laughs> so they got two of the best ball hawks actually in the NFL on the same team for the Dallas Cowboys. And you got to give a lot of credit to Dan Quinn um, for having the faith to put Durant Bland, Durant Bland out there. And then, I mean, he's that's not been a lot of drop-off uh, from the performance you would get from Trevon Diggs. Deron Bland has been that good. Remember, I told you, guys, even when Trevon Diggs was healthy, looking at Deron Bland's uh, productivity in the slot, he was still top five in passer rating allowed out of all cornerbacks in the NFL in the first two weeks of the season with Trevon Diggs there. And now going out to the corner from the nickel, um, I think he's just going to be on the same trajectory. Uh, so you're talking about two starting corners. You got three of the best starting corners. I know you don't have access to them now because Trevon Diggs is hurt. But you have three of the best starting corners in the NFL on your team, and it just kind of reiterates that the Cowboys have the best secondary, I think, in the NFL. I think it's it, 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 if it's not the best, then it's definitely in the conversation to be the best. Yeah, uh, historic win. That's the worst loss Bill Belichick's ever absorbed as a head coach. Mm. Benched his quarterback. And he didn't say he benched him. When asked in the postgame, Bill Belichick said, I just didn't see any reason to keep him out there. <laughs> we were getting our ass kicked. I agree. Um, what's the point? And, uh, yeah, they couldn't run the ball. They shut it down. You know, the Patriots – you know, the Cardinals were able to gash them a little bit last week, but that seemed to be an outlier. They just weren't ready to play in that game. Uh, but the red zone struggles did continue, right? I mean, they scored 38 points, but the defense scored 15 of them. Um, They're kind of like Texas, where they don't – the red zone issues are a reality, but they haven't needed them. Yes. They haven't needed the red so zone scores keep working on them. Yeah, because <laughs> they score so much in other ways. Well, the other thing I will keep of note, Micah Parsons was limping, right? He had an ankle, and they're going to reevaluate him today. Um, then you need him to be healthy next week against San Francisco and really all season. And then uh, Rico Dowdle, the running back, uh, has a hip. They're going to have an MRI on him today. They think he's okay, but that's one of those cross your fingers because he's your he's your back behind Tony Pollard. And it's amazing. Tony Pollard, fantasy football owners know this. They haven't had to do much with Tony Pollard. He had a, he had a two touchdown game in the first first game, but he hasn't done much. No. I mean, it's like it's like, they haven't needed him. I know. Uh, well, their defense scored 15 points. And by the way, can I give some props to John to Bones special teams, special baby. teams, give Bones. It up. Um, so we know at the beginning of the year the Patriots had Brendan Schooler, the former Longhorn. Remember on the play on the the mm-hmm. block field goal the in the short Jets motion? game? Yeah, yeah, where he came streaking down the line and and he read the snap count perfectly and blocked a field goal. That really changed momentum in that game. Well, he didn't do this yesterday. 
But for whatever reason, the Patriots had all 11 of their guys lined up on the line of scrimmage uh, to block an extra point. And, of course, Brendan Schooler was on the edge. So it was almost like the Cowboys were like, hey, wait a second, what is this? Why you normally don't have 11 guys. I mean, you're not yeah. doing all-out block on an extra point. No. It's like something's going on here. they got some kind of block thing that they're planning. And if you go back to the one when Schooler blocked the punt against the, uh, the Dolphins, Rod, they had their safety right over top of the center but standing, and he was the guy that was there for the fake, right? Mm-hmm. He was the one. They had ten guys on the line, and or nine guys on the line. Here came Schooler, but they had a guy that was lined up for the fake. But the Patriots did not. So all 11 were lined up, and so clearly they were coming after the, this extra point. So the Cowboys had a call ready, had noticed it on, on, on scouting. They had a check, and even on an extra point, they checked to the trick play. And they threw the touchdown pass to the defensive mm-hmm. end because no one covered him. I mean, it was like wide open, wide open. And give the Cowboys credit; they noticed that. I don't know that it mattered, but you know, defense and special teams accounted for 15 points, and the Patriots only scored three. So, no, it nice does job. matter. <laughs> no, it matters, especially against a Belichick coach team. That means you outcoach Belichick on that play. That's You're important. Right. Uh, and the Cowboys are the first team to run a successful fake for a two-point conversion since extra points were pushed back. And they only uh, did the 15, it because 2015. Because, yeah, you said the audible. The, the Patriots showed the look. Yeah. like, And I'm assuming they had that in their special teams meetings if we see that on a field goal. Right? If we see mm-hmm. that on a field goal, guys, we know they're trying to you know, come after some points here. And, uh, you know, Cowboys checked to it, executed it. And, did it on uh, a kick? No, it was good. It was a, that was a great play. It was a great play. It was a great play, man. Great execution. Also, if you're just looking for headlines from the, uh, from the NFL from week four, Khalil Mack had five sacks. Finally, remember we talking about where the Chargers' defense go? Where are they defense? Khalil Mack had five sacks because yeah. uh, the Raiders played their backup quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, in that game. They won that. So the Chargers, a couple of big wins for them. Uh, the Jets lost to the Chiefs 23-20. to Oh, Zach Wilson. But Zach had, Wilson actually played good. He had, the, he had the best game of his career. I mean, but it was the best game he's ever had, and he still got shafted, Yeah, well, and there was a yeah. questionable call in that game late. It was, you know, 23-20. The Chiefs took the lead. And then the Jets were trying to get the ball back, and they had Patrick Mahomes in third and 20 mm. and a chance to get off the field and get the ball back. And afterwards, Robert Sala said he really firmly believes, he's got to say this about his quarterback, that he would have taken him down the league, down the field and would have won that game. He was playing decent football. And they called on third. They bailed out the Chiefs. They called a defensive holding call on a third and 20, Ooh. a five-yard automatic first down hold, and Robert mm. Sala was furious. Like, really? Yeah. A key tack like that? I mean – uh, they did, and they called it on Sauce Gardner. And the, one of the reasons that uh, Sala was so angry is once again that this right tackle for the Chiefs he was holding him. on like every I saw, play. I saw it. That was a blatant one. But I always say, oh, offensive linemen, they do hold on every play. It's just the ones that get caught are the ones who have bad technique when they do hold. Yeah. They basically, the, the offensive lineman technique is teaching them how to hold. It really is. Like, I, I, I watch them like, so you just teach them how to hold? Like, yeah, but you got to do it inside the pads. Well, it's I'm amazing like, oh, to watch because we've already had three primetime games for the Chiefs already, <laughs> including the first game of the year. And it's like this right tackle of theirs, he's offsides all the time. Offsides all the holds time. Holds all the time. And yes. they don't call it. It's like, what are we, all, what are we doing here? Out, and, well, you know what? If they don't call it, uh, I know. it's it, right? Then keep doing I'm it. You're talking got, about me, the fan, going, hey, I'm with you. No, it's pretty obvious they should call it, but they, they don't. And here's how good Zach Wilson played in that game, though. I love this stat. He, the, Zach Wilson, it was, he, he's the only opposing quarterback, opposing quarterback to a Patrick Mahomes, to have more completions, more passing yards, more touchdown passes, and fewer interceptions than Patrick Mahomes in a Mahomes start. College or pro or playoffs. Damn. 
It's never happened before. Still lost. Still mm. took the L. Got shafted. And he actually, that third quarter, man, he played really well. He, he had, yeah, some, he had some issues early, mm-hmm. a little rattled and a little nervous. But, man, once he once he saw Taylor Swift up there, he was ready to go. <laughs> hey, that 2-0 and when uh, Taylor Swift travels with the team. She's got to go now. Now she's bringing and out the celebrities and the stars. And she's got to bring Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds oh. and Hugh Jackman. I mean, the NFL, they couldn't buy this type of publicity. They wanted her to do the halftime show. She said no because she's like, I'm too big for y'all's halftime well, show. And to your point, ain't doing it for free. And now they still get the, pr- the free publicity. And to your point about the free marketing, you know, you know who's covering these games now? Entertainment Tonight. Oh, is, yeah. that the, is that the game? Cause they got it. <laughs> so that'll be a, a, the lead story on, yeah. on e-television or whatever because uh, Taylor Swift's hanging out there. And, it's, yes. It's Crazy yeah. and and yeah the the stats on Travis Kelsey's social media blowing up. I mean now this dude's got Instagram followers and social media followers he never would have had, but that's all these Swifties who are like obsessed with Taylor Swift and now they want to know who she's dating. Hey so now he's getting the bump, man. He's getting that Swift bump. All right, we'll come back good when stuff. we do more on uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend that was, including the Astros. Uh, stealing the American League West on the last day. What a difference it is. We'll talk about how big that was yesterday in the affirmative for the Astros. And, man, uh, Rangers coughed it up. We'll talk about it on the other side. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. He's got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. Ian Rod B. On the Horn. What a weekend it was. And, uh, man, the fallout. We knew we college football right in the middle of the season. NFL just getting warmed up. But baseball came to its climax, Rod. And, um... I know we. I, I assumed it would come to the last game and the last day, but boy, did it ever! And you know, we've kind of come in here on Mondays, and it's been a whiplash back and forth between who had the good weekend—the Astros or the Rangers, or the Astros or the Rangers, or the Mariners—and in the end, it was the Astros who had the, uh, the ability to kick it in gear and go. They all three. They had six road games starting last Monday: three in Seattle, three in Arizona. They won five of them, so went five and one on the road. And by virtue of their win yesterday, the Rangers middle had seven games last week, and they went three and four. Oh, remember they coughed up that ninth inning game to the A to the uh, Mariners. The bullpen couldn't close it. It rolled us Chapman. Um, we talked about that was the Thursday game. That just felt like a huge game. We talked about the Astros on Wednesday night. It felt like a huge game when they got out of Seattle with that big win. That that may be a tipping point, and they went into Arizona get the sweep. And uh, hard to underestimate how big that is for them because Houston now gets to sit and wait. And not play this week. Mm-hmm. While you're playing wild card series, you know the top two teams get a bye and get to go straight to the divisional round. So Houston will be sitting while the Rangers will be playing at Tampa Bay, and now they got to play their way into the divisional round. And Tampa's the number, apparently Tampa by records, the second best team in his league. So that's a really tough and daunting task for them, uh, especially considering the injuries they're already dealing with. They also have an injury now to uh, John Gray, their right-handed pitcher. So that was a, a rough weekend for them in Seattle. They got the one win they had to have to clinch the division. But, man, uh, to lose the other three. Even yesterday, Rod, the, the um, Mariners had nothing to play for. Uh, they were done. They were eliminated Saturday mm-hmm. night when the Rangers beat them. Rangers had everything to play for, and their their big right-hander George Kirby for Seattle went out and pitched a heck of a game yesterday and helped the Astros out mightily. So now it stacks up that. The Astros will and the Orioles will sit and wait. Um, 
Rangers will have to play in Toronto. Minnesota will host a uh, Minnesota. Texas will travel to Tampa. Minnesota will host Toronto. Over in the American League, it's the Braves and Dodgers that are sitting and waiting. While Arizona faces Milwaukee, Phillies face the Marlins. It's a fun week of wild card baseball, but I know Ranger fans and the Rangers didn't want to be playing this week. They wanted the week off. Yeah, um, I would. I would love to see if that was the most competitive uh, division race down to the wire in modern baseball yeah, history. It's I can't be. remember one that right, went to There's that. no way one was tighter than that. Yeah, I mean, as of Saturday night, Rod. <laughs> as of like Saturday, where they're both had, you know, the Rangers were playing the Mariners, had had the Astros were playing the Diamondbacks two more times. Each team, based on the results, could have won the division or not made the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, it was like that's, that's how close it was. Uh, that's I don't insane. know if the Mariners could have won the division, but they they were all three because you also had Toronto that was playing games that was impacting it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was that was pretty crazy. But the Astros get it, and the Rangers, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately, they're in. So that's so that's better than the alternative, but they would have preferred to be the division winner. It's amazing. Uh, your rant, Rod. We were talking about the um, the good of the Cowboys and how great they were. The defense looks even with some of the losses. Trevon Diggs being out and Michael Parson. You talked about him um, being a little limp in that matchup. Didn't matter. Cowboys defense is deep. It's deep, deep. talented, and but, uh, it, you know if they play with that, uh, you know re- relentless effort like Dan Quinn talks about. They're they're really tough, man. They I can't are. wait for this forty nine. I mean, all week long we get to break down Texas and Oklahoma, and then your deep dives on the chess match between Kyle Shanahan, your good friend, and this Cowboys defense, and his good friend Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. What does Dan Quinn have for? Oh yeah, Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy and this offense because that, of course, is the Sunday feature game it's in the National Football League. Really good matchup. I can't wait to see how the Cowboys respond. I'm sure the 49ers will be ready. They've been ready. I wanted to give you some good on the <laughs> Texans. Exactly. I mean, I always you... like, yeah, they're going to be ready. We're not, we're I'll, not give sure. you the, I'll give you some good on the Texans. Oh, some great on the Texans. Let me, not only do we love the uh, great, the C.J. Stroud first four games, he's been historically good, not mm-hmm. just good. Not, we're not just like Texans fans going, man, he looks pretty good. He looks all right. No, he has the most passing yards, <laughs> second most passing yards for any quarterback in NFL history through the first four starts. Without a pick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Without a pick. Yeah, without a pick. Without three or four starting point. offensive linemen and not uh, much running game. Definitely the worst O-line in the league. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, how about this? There was a story by TheAthletic.com last week of, of uh, C.J. Stroud taking a leadership role with this team. Mm-hmm. He's been encouraged by D'Amico Ryans to really become the face of the team, uh, inviting other teammates over to his house for dinners and things of that nature, just you know, bonding. Listen to C.J. Stroud after the game. Listen to this guy about what, he's, what his expectation is of this team, no matter who's hurt, no matter who's not. Here's the uh, Texans quarterback. That ain't flying from like anybody in this building. And I want them to know like we're frying our tails off every day to make sure y'all walk around with Texan gear pride. Like y'all, y'all walk around with that swag that we walk around with when we get a dub. Um, and for me, that's, I take that real personal because uh, I don't like being bagged on by my teams. Like when my Lakers lose, I'll be pissed. So, <laughs> so like I, I tell you, I take that stuff real serious, man. And it's up to us to to work every day and put the work in and. Um, like you've seen, I mean, them, the Steelers fan came came and they showed out today in our stadium, and we sent them home. Um, and I think our our fans felt the energy, like, man, we ain't, we ain't playing today, like from the get go. So um, I just want to say, man, like we're gonna keep like we're gonna keep fighting every day just so y'all can walk around with that swag. Um, I think that's huge, man, for this team. That's something that we want to keep building on, and um, it's a blessing to be able to, to be in Houston, like a great town. Uh, with a lot of stuff to do, great people, uh, hot, Southern hospitality to its finest. Um, and I'm falling in love with the city little by little, so um, it's a blessing. About that, Rod. Mm-hmm. He wants the Texans fan to be able to wear their gear with pride and not have to hide it. 
Well, he, they were hiding it for years. We were actually losing fans for last few years. Get that gear out because they were such a dysfunctional franchise. Uh, but he's got he's got that quality. He does. Um, it's pretty obvious. They got them a player. Yeah, and he's he's going. They got the franchise piece for the next ten, twelve years on the offensive side of the ball. And it looks like Will Anderson is that foundational franchise piece on the defense side of the ball. So kudos to Nick Casario. Looks like early on, still early. Looks like early on, his his big gamble paid off to go get both of those guys top of the draft. Let's build now. The other pieces he's been getting, you know, in the in the draft, uh, the supporting cast uh, for some of these other players in previous draft, that hasn't worked out so well for him. Yeah. But I don't think people will care as much because you got the quarterback and you got the foundational pass rusher, franchise pass rusher. Good place so, to start now that he, yeah, he got his two pieces. You're talking about um, you know, Derek Stingley has to stay healthy. Derek they need Stingley, him on the, that hadn't worked out well. By the way, Jalen Petrie was all over the field making plays yesterday. He was awesome. Yeah, uh, he's back from that bruised lung. I can't. That's a he's a great player. Sounds, but he's he you really know is. and he, playing the Steelers. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Troy Polamalu. Mm-hmm. He's just one of those guys who's just make. He's all over the place. He's making blowing up plays in the you know on, on a run blitz, mm-hmm. then knocking down plays, getting the team off, kind of like Jade Barron does for the cow, for the Longhorns. Just yeah. always around making plays. Instincts. Uh, but then how about this? The other side of that was Mike Tomlin's team because Kenny Pickett got hurt, mm-hmm. hurt his knee on a sack oh. late in the game when they went forward on fourth down. They didn't score a touchdown in this game. The Steelers, you know, they've been a you know their offense as you talked about Matt Canada bad, being man. the best. Well, listen to this. Can I play? Can we play this, Cole? It's on. Mike Tomlin, pretty a blunt question from the media, and he had a pretty blunt assessment. Will you contemplate any changes, or is it still too early? Regarding changes, regarding hell yeah, we got to make some changes, man. Uh, that was that was that was an ugly product we put out there today, and so uh, we're not going to do the same things and and hope for a different outcome. What those changes are, man, we'll put together a plan uh, in preparation. I wonder why. So losing to the Texans is the that's ultimately that's so insulting that you got to make a change now because Matt Canada as the OC has been bad for a while. That was his 39th straight game with, uh, as the OC of the Pittsburgh Steelers without them gaining at least 400 yards. They had 225 yards versus the Texans. They've been under 300 yards in three of the four games this season. Guys, right now they're averaging 12 points per game in the NFL. That's bad. Hell, that ain't that big of a change. Last season, it was 17. And we see the board that it was 19. What the hell were you waiting on, Tomlin? I like, I think you're a hell of a coach. You're a Hall of Fame coach. What's taking you so long? What dirt does Matt Canada have on you and your family? Because you should not be the OC for this. That's crazy. That it took you this long to go, we got to make some changes. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, making different results. You've been doing it for two years. Yeah. Well, and there's also, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big Matt Canada fan. I wasn't when he was at LSU or Maryland or wherever he was. Tom Herman didn't. Tom Herman wasn't a big Matt Canada fan. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> when he was called plays against the oh, Longhorns. The jet sweep. The jet, oh, sweep, the jet sweep. But there's also the question, I think, going on. Because I think, I think most. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you, Tom Herman. The, uh, I think the best thing, the, the, for, for Texans fans, you know, their defense doing a good job against that bad Steelers offense, you know, you kind of, I don't want to say expected it, but it shouldn't surprise you with uh, D'Amico Ryan's dialing something up to hold them to 225 yards Agreed. and no touchdowns. But to put 451 offensively with injuries on the O line on that defense, that tells you there might be something up in Pittsburgh because they missed a lot of tackles. You don't usually see them miss. Mm-hmm. TJ Watt did not have a huge impact on JJ Watt Day down in Houston. Oh, that's right. Yeah, T- that's why they showed up. Yes. Yeah. JJ was. Uh, 
was going into the to the Ring of Honor, and mm-hmm. he did a spot in the booth. It was pretty good. He's the first, right? He is. It's got to be. I mean, yeah. well, he, and Andre, he and Andre, Andre Johnson. Johnson. You're Andre right. Johnson. Johnson. You're right. Uh, but but yeah, there's also this question. Matt Canada's not good. We know it. You just gave the stats. He's the OC. Oh, it's terrible. Um, but Kenny Pickett may not be that good. Uh, Najee Harris seems like he's not great. And then George Pickens supposed to be their best receiver. You know, you got to have players too. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, they look across the way. You can't say Kenny Pickett's a young quarterback. C.J. Stroud's played his fourth game. <laughs> no, exactly. They got no injury. They got no offensive line. With no O line. Nico Collins, seven catches, buck sixty-eight. Hey, by the way, I got to play one more thing for you because we're speaking of play things for each other. We're going to play some. Who said that? Who said that? Before the top of the hour. This is the last thing on the Texan side because it's worth it on the day J.J. Watt had his number retired and had his uh, name put to the rafters at NRG Stadium for our Texans fans out there. I wanted you to play this for you, Rod, and our audience. This, you know, talk of the town is Travis Travis Kelsey and his new girlfriend and his brother Jason Kelsey. Here's a little bit, uh, an ode to J.J. Watt. Um, because this is Jason and Travis Kelsey talking about uh, how great he was um, when he was at his best playing for the Houston Texans. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about probably one of the most unstoppable players in his prime or unblockable players. I can tell you what, the uh, the Eagles offensive line is certainly happy that you're retiring, J.J. Um, I still remember, uh, I think it was Countless 2000. amount of quarterbacks that are. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can still remember, I think, 2014. And JJ's patented move, at least when he played more inside, mm-hmm. he would he would either jet the gap, or he would backdoor you. And the reason that was hard is like, you know, when somebody's jetting the gap, you got to go down in there hard to make sure you're cutting off penetration. And when you go down in there hard, kind of susceptibility to that is getting backdoored. So you open up the back door, yeah. Tackles were terrified of backing this, uh, blocking this guy on the backside, and um, he made countless plays on the backside of runs and he yeah. and he made a few this last game that yeah. i saw i hit it hit a few guys with a backdoor swim move i, I know i he's hit me on that one a few times he's, he's I, got I'm already on that one I'm, I'm already outweighed and out out muscled and uh for me to try and cut off the- aren't strong enough to be that th- threatening and quick enough to ba- do the backdoor that's what makes him that was that's why he was so dominant smart player man yeah. smart he player. was smart he was physical I still remember playing him in 2014 or playing the Houston Texans and uh, Lane Johnson uh, look at him at one point. He looks like he's like seen a ghost. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, hey, Lane, you, you all right? And he's like, man, it feels like I'm just in the middle of the ocean. And there's a big, great white circling me with a big 99 jersey on. <laughs> There you go. The great white shark. Wow. J.J. Uh, Watt. That's pretty good stuff. Were, right? they, were they trying to make all these references to back doors? I think there was down some innuendo hard, in there. Penetration. It just seemed like they were. I'm going like, to pull that out. Like, <laughs> no, I shouldn't say pull that out. Yeah. That's what she <laughs> said. That's what she said. Yeah, we got shoot the gap back door. But it seemed like they kept like, hold on. Okay, I get well, making I, the reference. but I, they, Okay, I'm going to pull that. We'll have to pull, pull over that. over next, again there. For our next hour, the fabulous fifth quarter. Wow. Because I, I think, and I listened to that a couple times yesterday, because I, I, I was thinking the same thing. There's some innuendo in there. Gotta or, be. Or you played, is that just offensive line jargon? It is. Like, <laughs> it, it is, though. That all all like the terminology had, does fit, but it tracks. But it's like they they seem to be overemphasizing it at times. And they seem to be enjoying it, too. Like, yeah, and yeah. They, they'd play off each other. I don't know. Maybe There were some innuendos for sure. And at first right? I was listening, and I'm like, 
huh, maybe it's just, you know, they're going back and forth. Then I look up and I just see Rod smirking. I'm like, oh, my, that's, that's how I know. It's got to be. That is just, I don't know, it's too many. Maybe my mind's in the gutter on a Monday. Uh, we'll pull that and we'll, in the fabulous fifth quarter. We'll oh, have man. some of that coming that's up. Plus, great. a round of who said that coming back as well. As you know, We're talking Longhorns and a big win. Cowboys in a big win. Astros and Rangers playoff bound. What a month of October it should be. It's good times uh, abound. And it's Texas OU week. And, Rod, it's 8, 943. And OU still sucks. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the horn. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who set it off a good, bad, and ugly Monday video and audio from the weekend that then we try to discover who said it. Um, who Good way to collect some uh, intel. And I want to ask you this, Rod. Who said this? Who said hit this after his team won the Ryder Cup and already talking smack about the next Ryder Cup? Here we go. It's not that important an event for me. It's an exhibition at the end of the day. All right, that's an old old Rory. Well, uh, if you're just tuning in, our man Ty had to go home this morning, wasn't feeling well, and we're hoping he's, he's the best for him. Our man, our man yeah. Cole is here. Uh, Cole Dixon doing a great Stepping job. Stepping up. Can we play this other one? Uh, no, I just told you who it is, but you'll know it. This is pretty good. <laughs> so not only uh, is the is are the Europeans stoked about beating the Americans as heavy underdogs in Rome, Rory is already talking about two years from now. Listen to this. I've said this for the last probably six or seven years to anyone that will listen, I think one of the biggest accomplishments in golf right now is winning an away Ryder Cup. And that's what we're going to do at Bethpage. Oh, and that's all his teammates banging oh, on the on Oh, them. yeah. Like they're like. <laughs> they're all sitting there going, and you hear them go, ooh. Oh, no, I don't they, think they, they didn't know Rory was going there. Were they mean, parliament or something? Yeah. 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 They are Brits. <laughs> there are some Brits in there, right? All right. Yeah, so it was pretty I was like, what is that? Oh, they're pounding the table. Give me that again. We'll see. Because they <laughs> all start good. doing it. It's pretty cool. I mean, that team was united and uh, and, and convicted to win that, uh, that yeah. Ryder Cup. Give me that again there, Cole. That's nice. For. Parliament? I like that. I like that. Pounding on the table instead of clapping. Clapping. And I was like, nah, that's a little soft, man. We ain't clapping. Yeah, well, the table. Uh, USA better find something. I mean, obviously, they, uh, you know, they'd be like up to skip. And Scotty Scheffler is one of those guys. Jordan Spieth didn't play well this weekend on on foreign soil. See? Um, it's always that, that scene from, uh, what's the movie, Miracle? Oh, that great scene where the coaches are building the roster for the Miracle on oh, Ice. Oh, yeah. And he, the one coach says, Coach, look at this roster. You're missing all the best players. And he's like, Coach, I'm not looking for the best players. I'm looking for the right players. There you go. And the That's right players. a great players. movie, by the way. It is a great movie. Yeah. What do you got, Rod? Uh, all right, Cole. You got any of those uh, pieces of audio I sent you? You can just play either one you want to. It doesn't even matter. Hit it. Oh, oh hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Who wait a second. Wait, who wait. said that? Let's wait a see. Okay. Just play any of them? You can play any of them. Doesn't matter. All right. All right. Here we go. Who said that? You play very well, dog. Okay. Very happy. I, I, I didn't know it was a poor man's anything, but... but oh, you know, he hears okay. that. He's listening. I heard about it. That's all. Oh, spicy. Oh, call him out there, Dick. Andrew. Andrew. Receipts. I didn't do it. Matt Ryan's a pretty good player, too. Matt Ryan's a hell of a player. I told him. I'm he, giving you a hard time. I appreciate it, man. Uh, apparently, that was Jared Goff uh, after his performance when he was calling out Ryan Fitzpatrick for saying he was a poor man's Matt Ryan. 
Oh, poor man's match. This was because the, the Lions had the impressive win over the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, so after that win, the Green Bay Packers. It wasn't good. getting back to the WWEification and the petty going on right now in sports. Jerry Goff wanted to call out Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's keeping receipts. Who's talking trash about him? Everybody's keeping receipts these days. I like it. I like the sports is getting petty, man. It's good. You just heard. You just heard Roy McElroy getting petty. Let's get petty, man. Call him out. I like it. All right. Well, you know, the, the, the master of receipts is Dion, right? Primetime? Dion does Coach keep receipts. Prime time, yes, but, you know, after he gets a, takes a loss and back-to-back losses, Dion will actually hand out um, some bouquets. Some oh, bouquets. This okay. is Dion. You, I wasn't going to try to surprise you on this. You know Dion. He's your idol growing up. But here we go. <laughs> that kid is a, a flat-out bowler, man. He, he is a difference maker. He makes them better. Um, the thought process, even just directing traffic and putting them in the right play calls in the right situation. He does a wonderful job of checking off and, and just changing things and getting the ball out of his hands. Uh, it was it was a pleasure for me to to play against them and their head coach. I mean, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Wow. That, about that? Talking a, about Caleb Williams, obviously. Yes. Yeah, that was fun, he said. But think about how close they made that game. What they make it a one-touchdown game? 41 yeah. And this is on USC because that defense will get them beat this year. They They – Remember, you, you had the stat in, during our pregame show that they were so good at forcing the turnovers last year, right? Yeah, they were one of the top teams in the, in the college football. But why, did, why was Utah able to beat them twice without the talent that USC has? Because they didn't turn it over, and they controlled the ball, and they were able to take advantage of that defense. And they forced them to make tackles in the open field, yep. which USC could not do. Yep, uh, and Alex Grinch is still in charge of that defense. Man, him and I would say that him and Lincoln are close. They are. If Dave Aranda ends up getting fired, Lincoln Riley probably offered Dave Aranda the highest Ooh, contract scary. ever for a defensive coordinator. Yeah, because he he might need to upgrade. I, I mean, I know I'm sure they're close, but man, it might be time for Lincoln to upgrade. Well, I mean, I know one game doesn't equal the other, but the Oregon performance against Colorado was so thorough, yeah. and so dominant. USC, I mean, USC was up 41 to so 14. So offensively, you got it, but. Defense, you're missing some of the other things. Don't brother. forget about Washington, the Huskies. You know, I know you don't because Michael can, Penix, that team's score. really good, and USC has to play both of those teams. Ooh, man, that that offense is a. I mean, it may be as prolific as the USC offense. They can score. They got two legit wideouts, two thousand yard receivers there. They're, they're the real deal. Uh, okay, who said that? We got. We ready for this, Cole? Give you it can to play, me. Play anyone? Give it to me. Who is? It? Um, kind of what you expect. I mean, Tyreek is such a unique dude. He's the one dude with those motions who can is fast enough to run any route known to man off of him. Um, and not many people are like that. So they get to try a lot of stuff with that, which Mike's as good as anyone at trying stuff and being creative. Um, they did that in week one with a little cheat motion. Um, we did it in week two after we saw it. The Rams did it about three times versus us in week two. Um, I've also seen every team probably do it since week one. So it's, it is a cool motion. Um, and they got a real cool guy to do it with. We call it cheat. Yeah. Shortly after he's it's up cheating. With <laughs> it's cheating. I don't know. It looks. Just almost did it. Uh, it looks. It looks hard to stop people like Tyreek and Debo and stuff with a running start. That's usually only in the CFL. So um, it's, it's cool to get him running sideways and still find a way to hit it vertically. So, it's like it's like our Mikey Mac, Mike who, McDaniel's. Uh, that's who. Who is that? Who's that? That. Who's that? Mike McDaniel's, right? No, that's Kyle Shanahan. Talking oh, that's about Kyle. 
talking about Mike McDaniel's. Okay. He's talking about that, talk that short cheat. That it, that makes sense though, because they actually were—I mean, they were around each other for like a decade. So they probably do have a lot a of the same cane. mannerisms yeah, and canes and things. Um, I, I stopped. I, I listened, but I stopped listening intently because I just oh, that's my Daniel. Yeah, and he has—they talk about that little cheat motion, which everybody knows about. And every he's talking about how teams are stealing it, and this is goes to how great offensive minds they look to you know improve and upgrade their repertoire um, of concepts and cheat codes. And he just said basically, I stole it from Mike McDaniel. Sean McVay stole it from him too, and. Other teams are stealing from it, so he already knows that's the way this oh, works in a copycat league. So you I know love Sark it. will be stealing. I was just about to say Sark because <laughs> Sark loves that coaching tree, so you can expect that cheat motion probably with an X man or something like that. Well, too, and we it talked about there. it last week. The cheat motion normally the, the receiver comes in motion across the formation. Yeah, now you got him coming toward like like they he, he stops right at the end of the tackle and then he takes off in motion out. Mm-hmm. Towards the out of bounds, and then when the ball snaps, he cuts up, yep. and it, it just screws up the structural integrity of the defense because they've yep. already decided who we're taking when they come off the line. <laughs> right at the pre snap, you just changed all that. Well, you got to go in full speed too. I mean, you got your yeah. fastest guy going yeah. full speed. And when I played in Canada, that's part of the rule. You can have a guy running ten yards from the, <laughs> right, the arena fr- football. Yeah, you can have a guy running ten yards from behind the line of scrimmage and running toward the line, and he hits the line of scrimmage at full speed. Probably the toughest def- de- probably the toughest thing to defend in all of, all of football at any level, any type of football. It's really tough to defend. That's essentially what they're simulating here. Yeah, especially with some of the fastest players on the planet. Oh, man. I wanted to play you. So I thought that was Mike McDaniel, <laughs> but it wasn't, Rod. Um, but here, you missed this last week. I wanted to play this specifically for you. Here was Mike McDaniel talking about his uh, prowess on the dance floor. This is classic <laughs> Dolphins head coach. I heard about some dance lessons or, or, or ballroom dancing that you did back in the younger days. Never, never done ballroom dancing. I mean, I have been um, known uh, to have some ownership of the dance floor. Um, and, you know, if you turn some music on, have the ambiance right, maybe, you know, there can be some lessons had, but I don't think I'd be the one learning them. Boom. <laughs> There he is. Mike. Ownership of the dance floor. He's so quirky. There might be He's some so lessons learned, but yeah. I don't think I would be the one learning them. Is there, Boom. Is there a more eccentric coach right now in the NFL than Mike McDaniel? Tell me the guy that was vaping on the sideline at one point. He really ran away from the the, the reporter when she was trying to interview well, I saw him. a video of him yesterday. <laughs> right. They were in Buffalo. They lost the game big time. He's great. But in warm-ups, he, he was walking around while the players were stretching, and they're playing some <laughs> hip-hop music at the stadium, and he's got, I mean, his pants come right below his, it's like knickers he's wearing. <laughs> he's got his glasses on, and he's like dancing and bebopping around and high-fiving his team. He's and, great. He's great. No, he's he's Bill Belichick. He's not. Oh, man. And he's, uh, remember, his, remember the whole thing early before he got out, the multiracial thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he's he, is, he is multiracial, biracial. Uh, and he's like, no, act technically. Well, and if you had seen the video, you're like, he is. He, this guy's from Denver, right? So he's like, this guy's just a hipster. Yeah, he's just a hipster. And it's like, no, he's actually way more uh, diverse, right, than you would think. He's a uh, he's a well-rounded guy. He's funny. Sean, he's Sean McDermott and the Bills got their their say yesterday. That'll be. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I was thinking for Miami on that. The Dolphins, they drew a good schedule to get to play them in September. Yes, they did. Yeah, but they didn't take advantage of it because the weather was beautiful and Buffalo beat them 48-20. to They miss Jalen Ramsey. They get Ramsey back, it'll be a little different. Agree. Yeah, Big Fangio will have his go-to yeah. corner. We'll be back. One more hour to go. It's the fabulous fifth quarter on a Monday. More Texas-Oklahoma uh, chatter as we're counting down days now to the uh, latest battle on the Cotton Bowl field. It's Texas OU Week here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.